I'm looking forward to uh, this lesson being able to start off your 2023. We like the idea of a fresh start. There is something about January 1st that uh, infuses all humanity with hope that this year is going to be better. This year is going to be different. Even though, as Dan said, almost nothing changed since yesterday, you just have this great idea that now it's going to be everything uh, that you want it to be. We like fresh starts is really what it is. And this could be the year where we can be more spiritual, more godly, more focused, uh, more God-driven. And I want to do a lesson uh, for you to encourage that because obviously God wants us to do better uh, going forward. And so uh, one of the things that I th- think is interesting is we're going to talk about the idea of memorials because God uses various memorials in scriptures to try to use that as a means for God's people to go forward. Uh, sometimes we only think about memorials in terms of a time of remembrance of things in the past, but we use them also as a means by which to propel us forward for life change and in doing things in a different way than we did before. Uh, God gave all kinds of memorials. I don't have time to go through exhaustively and list all of them. I'm just going to start with a few of them just to give you a sense of how often God did that. One of the most notable, you might remember, of course, is the Passover that was given to the people of Israel. But even though it was called a lasting ordinance that they would remember throughout the generations, God said in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 9 that he wanted the Passover to be a sign so that the law of the Lord would be on their mouths. And so what I'm wanting you to see as we go through these memorials is that they were not just merely, please don't forget something, but it was supposed to cause change in the life of the person. That the law of the Lord would then be on their lips as they remember how God had brought them out of Egypt. You, interestingly, you have even on the high priest two of the stones that were on the shoulders of that high priest on that, that ephod were called stones of remembrance. That's really a neat visual to think about as the high priest is doing his work and you have stones on the shoulders as if God is looking down and seeing his people represented on the shoulders and remembering. And it's not that God goes, oh, I remember you, but that he's going to do something, that he is going to atone. He's going to forgive. He's going to be with his people. And so even as God spoke of remembrance, he used it in a way to say, it's going to bring about an action that comes from me as I remember you. The Sabbath was one of those where they were to remember that they were slaves in Egypt and how God had brought them out by a mighty hand. And sometimes we just think of the Sabbath as merely a day of rest, but it was supposed to be a day of worship. They rested from their labors so that they could be focused on God and worshiping God. And so even that memorial was intended for activity in the worship of of God. The whole book of Deuteronomy, (laughs) Moses standing before the people and saying, don't forget what God did. And why is he telling them not to forget? So that when they go into the land, they will do what God had asked them to do. Don't forget the great things so that you will live a life of godliness going forward. And I'll end on this one. As I said, you could just go on and on and on. There's all the things that God gave in terms of remembrance. 
Even Samuel puts up an Ebenezer stone after God helped Israel defeat the Philistines so that they would remember how God had helped them so that they would put their trust in the Lord in the days ahead when future difficulties and uprisings and oppression came. And so they could go to so many places to see these pictures. But as was read for us, we're going to spend our time in Joshua chapter 4. It is a really neat picture that is given here that God is giving to Israel. In Joshua chapter 4, we, as was read for us in those first seven verses, you have God giving instructions as they're about to cross over the Jordan River. And he wanted it to be a special event when they crossed that river. It wasn't just going to be, hey, everybody, let's cross the river. We'll go into the land of Canaan. But we're told there, like in verses 3 and 4, that you're going to have 12 men, one from each tribe. And they're going to go into the river and take their place there. And we're told that when they are in there, they want, God wanted them in verse 5 to take these stones out of the Jordan River and carry them out on their shoulders. So get the right visual. We're going to have 12 stones. But if you have to put the stones on your shoulder, they're not small. Okay. These are not grab 12 pebbles and we're going to have something that's kind of sits here real cute like this. Get 12 stones and haul them out of the Jordan River. And we're going to place them on the other side. So that, notice verse 6, that this may be a sign among them. When your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now, here's one of the things that I want you to see that's interesting about this chapter. Those first seven verses described what they're going to do from verse 8 through about verse 18 or 19. They're now doing it. What a great picture. Here are the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as their feet come into the water, the waters of the Jordan River completely part. And here they are moving across in dry land. And these 12 who had been selected, they are grabbing the stones out of the river. Verse 18, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, Lord, came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Now notice what God does in verse 20. Then those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan... Joshua set up at Gilgal and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord, your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord, your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know. That the hand of the Lord is mighty, and you may fear the Lord your God forever. You notice the end sounds an awful lot like the beginning. How important these stones were supposed to be for Israel. And what we're going to observe that are three key points that I think you see here in this text as God gives it as to 
why this memorial would be important. And then we're going to talk about at the end the memorials that God has given to us and how that can move us forward into this new year. First thing I want you to consider in in this is that what you have is God showing yet again in these memorials that he wants us to never forget what he's done. God is very concerned about that. The scriptures over and over again are saying, remember what I did. Don't forget. And with Israel, how often God would say, don't forget you were slaves in Egypt. Don't forget how I rescued you. Don't forget how I cared for you in the wilderness. Don't forget forget how I took care of your enemies. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And when you get to the prophets, what does it say that the people did? They forgot. They forgot everything that God had done. And that's why they were in trouble with God. Because by forgetting what God has done, they thought it was all about themselves and they'd lost their trust in God. And so God is constantly saying, please remember the things that I have done for you. In fact, here in chapter 4 and verse 7, notice the words. That this would be a memorial for the people forever. Just imagine that here are these 12 large stones that are set up there at the banks. And as the people would live life, and any time they'd come down to that side of the river, and they would see those stones, it was supposed to remind the people, yes, God had parted this river and brought us across on dry ground. And even the people at the end of the chapter were saying, just as God did for us when he parted the Red Sea, don't forget God's mighty hand. Don't forget his great work. There's a reason why even in our country, we have memorials for things regarding this nation because we are apt to forget and we are apt to forget quickly. As I was thinking about this first point of God calling for Israel to not forget, not forget, And I've been to Washington, D.C. Perhaps you've been there, too, where there are memorials all over the place to help people not forget the events of the past. Don't forget things that have happened uh, in this country's history. We even are fortunate enough here in, in our county that you have on in Palm Beach Gardens, as well as in Wellington, actual physical pieces from the World Trade Center from the destruction of 2001. There are actual pieces there that you can go up and look at, and they are large pieces for you to see. And I remember when they were there, like that was a really big deal. And now you just drive by them, right? The one on Palm Beach Gardens on North Lake is <laughs> it's right there. Huge. And what happens to us? We don't forget. There's a reason why God says, I have to instruct you to remember because that is not our natural inclination. Even of things of massive significance, things that you tell your children about of here's what happened and how terrible it was. Even still, we forget and it no longer matters to us. There's a reason why God puts in place memorials so that it will move us Forward, Which is the second point is that God didn't want us just to remember, but to be forever changed. These memorials are put in place by God, not so that you will just merely remember the past, but that what God did in the past will change your life 
for today and for tomorrow. I want you to observe that carefully here in chapter 4 and in verse 20. Those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell your children to know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Now, notice the period is not there. The teaching is not, well, this is the place where God parted the, the, the Jordan River just like he did the Red Sea. End of story. No. Notice how it ends. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It was supposed to be transforming. The memorial was not just simply, yep, that's the event, but instead was supposed to be, And now you know the mighty hand of God and it will cause you to fear the Lord your God as well. It is supposed to be a changing within, a transformation that the memorial not only says, I remember what God did, but it's going to change how I live tomorrow because I remember what God has done. We don't have time, but the New Testament is filled with this idea. I'll give you one. In Ephesians chapter 2, and if you've grown up in the pews, you know the first three verses are about how we are dead in our sins, and we're children of wrath, and we're separated from God. And the glorious words of verse 4 of chapter 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, who saved us, and it's not by our works. But don't let it end, because notice when you get to verse 10, there is this grand finale to this moment, which is, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Why is Paul retelling the story of you were in your sins and God brought you out and he has rescued you and saved you. And it's not by your works, but because God loves you so much so that it'll change you. Because you are his workmanship. You were created for good works. And God is wanting you to live up to your purpose. That he has given to you. And so the picture is not only remember, see what God has done, but will you let what God has done in the past change you? And then number three, did you notice the repetition in Joshua four? That it wasn't enough to put the stones there and it wasn't enough to remember what God has done. And it wasn't enough to say, I'm going to live differently because of what God has done. The repetition also is, and you need to teach your children the significance of what God has done. He said it in the beginning in verses six and seven. When your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You can imagine here's this interesting rock structure there and the kids would be out playing and they'd one day come across that and go, I wonder why these stones are set in this way. And they go home and they ask that, dad, dad, why, why are the stones set up like that? Here's what you should do. You shall tell them. And then the same thing happens at the end. 
When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? You shall let the children know. Is that these things were intended to be teaching points. Not only remember, not only be changed, but you need to teach others about what God has done. And in particular, you need to teach your children. All right, now let's talk about how this matters at all to us today. Let's talk about some living stones that we can have for our lives and why chapter four of Joshua is so relevant. The New Testament tells us we have been given important memorials as a basis to remember the things that God has done. One of them we just recently here participated in just a few moments ago. And the point of the Lord's Supper is not just merely, hey, we need to remember. That's true. That's absolutely important. We should never forget the cross. We should never forget the significance of what God has done through his son. That needs to be something emblazoned upon us that we never forget. And I do believe that that is why God has given that to us as a weekly first day of the week memorial because we forget. We easily forget. We get into life and schedules and time passes by and we forget. And God wanted to ensure that we would never forget. But you might remember there is a strange little phrase that the Apostle Paul states in chapter 11, verse 26. That as he talks about the Lord's Supper, he doesn't just simply say, and so here you're remembering. But he also makes the point and says, and you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Did you notice in that there is that not only will I remember, but I'm going to be transformed by what he did. And I'm going to tell other people what he did. Now, friends, I think this is really important. How easy is it for us to have this memorial and our children have no idea why this thing matters? You know, they just sit there and throw the tray on and, okay, back to whatever I was doing. This event that we do every week should be a critical teaching point. That this is not just merely hurry up and pass it on. Let's just figure out how we can get through this checkmark another act of worship. But it is supposed to be a point that is a remembrance a point that is transforming to us and a point that we would want it to be transforming to our children. This act matters. This is an important thing that we are doing together as we remember the cross, we remember the death, we remember the resurrection, and it's going to be life transforming for me and son or daughter. I want it to be life transforming for you. You need to be a part of this and see the importance and understand its meaning and grasp it all so that when the time comes that you are ready to participate, you will have a sense of it and you will understand its importance. That's why I love the question when it says, when the children ask, what does this mean to you? Can you answer that? What does that mean? Oh. I need that, otherwise I'd leave it down there. Don't get old, friends. We need to ask ourselves the question of what that means to us. And that's what I'm asking you to think about. 
Does that mean anything to you? Or is it grab it and zip it on? When we were only on the cups only, one of the things Dan and I were so concerned about of going to the disposable cup system was it's so easy to make it go really fast that way. It's so easy to just go, okay, well, we've all got it all at once. One, two, go. One, two, go. And lose the meaning. I like it taking a while to go through the building because there's three things that should be going on. Remember, be transformed, teach your children, that they can know what this means and why it's so significant. Baptism's one as well. Another living stone that God has given to us is, is the idea of, of baptism. That is supposed to be a touchstone in our lives that we can go back to on a regular basis. It is interesting that the New Testament doesn't just say, hey, everybody, you know, Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized, and we never think about it again or care about it again. When Romans chapter 6, when he writes to those Christians and he asks the question about, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's an interesting thing to say right there. Because what Paul is doing is saying that event is something that was supposed to be transforming. It should have been a key part of your life in which you were now dead to sin and alive to God. That's what he's pointing out there. You know, how can we say that we're going to continue sinning? You can't go on sinning. Why not, Paul? He doesn't, okay, well, we can't continue in sin that grace may be Sure, but notice the point that he makes. Your baptism was a stone in your life in which you said, I'm not living that way anymore. I am going to rise up in newness of life. I am dead to sin just as Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. We are dying to that life and we are being united to him in that same way so that we are rising up in a new life. It was supposed to be monumental. It was something that you could trace your mind back to. It wasn't something insignificant. It wasn't something sacramental. It wasn't something that you just kind of do as the long list of things that God strangely wants us to do. It was a stone that was to be placed in your life so that when temptation came, you'd say, that's not the way I live life anymore. I don't choose that path anymore. I'm dead to sin. And that was the moment I became dead to sin and alive to God. That was the transforming moment. That's what Paul is saying in those first four verses of chapter six is how can you continue to think that you can sin when you've engaged in this great act that God has put into your life as this living stone so that you'd remember that you're changed Transformed by that act going forward. And friends, can we teach our children that? I am sad to see how that's not taught to our children so often. That again, it's just like, you know, throw them in the water. and That's all that matters. This is a key, key event in one's life. It's supposed to be a radical moment in their life that is not taken flippantly, but a a decision that the individual is making, that they are comprehending what they're doing in this moment. This is the commitment that the person is making, entering into this covenant with God. I am dead to sin. 
And it should not just be taken as, well, we'll just, you know, okay, another thing. But do you understand its importance? And would we teach our children that importance so that they would understand what that event means? And too often we can let that just slide by like our other memorials that we drive by around here and not see the key meaning of what we are doing when we are baptized into Christ and entering that relationship with him. And let me give you one for yourselves that I can't answer for you. But I want you to take a minute in your minds and think about the various events that you may have experienced in your life of what God has done for you. I would suppose if we all had the time and took turns, we could all talk about the various acts of help, deliverance, rescue that we needed in our dark times. That there were things where God entered into a space where we were at our darkest and at our lowest and God helped us through when life had been completely wrecked, thrown upside down, deepest of suffering, deepest of loss, deepest of pain. And how God entered into those moments and walked you through those dark times and helped you in those deep difficulties. And what I want you to somehow do in your life is give yourself those living stones so that you won't ever forget what God has done for you in your past. How God entered into those times when you thought there was no reason to go forward. When you thought there was no reason that there'd be any light at the end of the tunnel. When you thought it was all darkness the rest of your days. How God changed those dark days to light. And not forget those times of deliverance. And let those times of rescue and help in your dark days be the point of being a change in your life, a transforming thing for you to go forward. When we can remember what God has done in our past and how he's helped us in our dark times and our difficulties in our trials and in our suffering and our pain, let it transform you to make you ready for the next time. Because another dark day will come. Another hardship's going to arise. He got you through before. Don't forget it so that you can remember that he will do it again for you. He will always be there for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will walk you through those dark times again. And then maybe again where we might miss something. We need to teach our children how God helped us through all those dark times in our past. That we have these living stones, whether they are visual in our house or simply kept in our hearts, that we are telling our kids, listen, when I was 20 or when I was 14 or when I was 30 or when I was 50 and such and such happened and this is what was going on and I did, here's what God did. Here's how God helped Here's how God rescued. This is so important if we're ever going to infuse into our children that it's much more than just church. That God has carried us through and he has helped us over and over and over again. And I know it's some, you know, you don't want to share painful, hard things with your kids sometimes. But they need to know how God rescued. They need to know how God brought you through. They need to see that transformation that happened. And here's what I felt and here's what I experienced and here's how it all went down. But God came in and he did something. 
We need to teach that meaning. And we need to have those stones in our families so that they will be able to tap into that, so that our children will understand that the things that we do on a daily basis, the things that we do when we come and worship is not just simply some perfunctory things that go on. And we've got to have three or four songs and there's got to be a Lord's Supper and he wants us to be baptized. And, but that we're truly transformed by what God has done. And we want to teach the meaning of that transformation to our children so that they will have the same understanding about our great God and will also fear him as well. So here's what I want you to have going forward and then a couple of comments. For your life as we now enter into 2023, brand new year, 365 days, Lord willing, open to you. Remember everything that God has done. Don't forget, whether it be on a global cosmic level, the cross and the Lord's Supper that brings us back to that moment every single week or baptism that brings us back to the reminders of our salvation, of how we were dead in our sins and God has made us alive. Or whether it be the smaller things in your life of how God helped you and rescued you. Just as Joshua is putting up stones and saying, and don't forget this moment either. Or Samuel is putting up an Ebenezer stone and saying, don't forget this one either. Don't forget how God has helped you along the way. Don't forget. And I think that's important for this big reason. I am sure somewhere in 2023, we're going to have doubts and fears and pain and suffering. As much as I want to walk into a new year with arms in the sky, raised victoriously, hooray, the last year's gone, this year's going to be so much better. We all know better by now that it's the same old cycle. And as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun and we are going to go through the spin cycle yet again. And when those times of fears and doubts and pain come, grab these stones and use them to remember what God has done and let it change you so that at those times you're full of praise and you're full of thanksgiving. You are ready to praise God in the difficulty. You are ready to stay with him in the storm. You're going to stay with him through thick and thin because you remember what God has done and how has changed you. And let this year be a year where you actively teach your children and teach others. What do these stones mean? Why do you come here? I mean, really, why are you here today? And will you let others know why that matters? And why did you do this weird thing of passing silver trays around? What does that mean to you? Why does that matter? Why were you baptized and raised out of those waters? What does that mean to you? Why does that matter? What has happened in your life that God has helped you? Use those stones. What does that mean? And how will that help you going forward to give him glory, to give him honor and to give you stability that you need 
for what God has done for you in your life. Don't forget the living stones. Don't forget the salvation moments. Don't forget the covenant that God has made with you. Don't forget that he has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't forget that God has done it for you before. He has been with you in the past. He will be with you again. And let the law of the Lord be on our lips and let the fear of him be in our hearts because of the wonderful things that God has done for us this last year and throughout our lives. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, it has been another year in which we could all write down wonderful things that have happened in our lives and painful things that have happened in our lives. Another year of pleasure and another year of suffering. And yet, Lord, you have brought us here today. And Lord, I pray that you would Open our minds in such a way so that we would not be forgetful of you. That we would never forget what you've done. That we would never forget the monumental act of your son dying for our sins and how that changes everything for us. And Lord, forgive us for how often we forget. And forgive us for how often what we have done today doesn't change anything about our lives going forward. Lord, I pray that this would be truly a new spiritual year for each one of us, that we would be stronger in our faith, that you would give us a deeper devotion, that you would help us to cling to you more tightly than ever before, that we would remember you in ways that we haven't in the past and be transformed by them just as you want us to be transformed by them. And Lord, forgive us for when we have not infused that faith into our children by teaching them the importance of our faith, by teaching them what you have done for us, and teaching us why these teaching them why these memorial stones are important. And Lord, I pray that we would be far better at telling others and showing our family the importance of you. Lord, give us the courage and the strength to make this year be a year where we are far more devoted to you with a greater dedication, a greater zeal, a greater desire to know you fully, a greater desire to worship you with all of our heart, a greater desire to show the world and to show one another that you are everything, that you are our treasure, and you're what matters most to us. Lord, we pray that you would bless us into this new year. And Lord, we pray that whatever may come, that we will hold on to you because we know that you will not let go of us. And so, Lord, help us in the dark days that may come and help us in the good days that will come through as well. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing an invitation song and we invite you for this morning to be a change for you. Is there a better day than today to give your life to Jesus, to... Use the symbols that God has given that you can turn away from sin, be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, say no to sin and being alive to him and walking forward with him into this new year, full of hope and confidence, love and joy that Jesus is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Today's the day to turn to him with all of your heart. If you are a Christian, would you let today to be a day where you're going to say 2023 is going to be better than last year spiritually? spiritually, I'm going to give more. 
than what I did before. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to learn more about it. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to be more devoted. I'm going to give him the things that I need. And I'm going to set up these stones in my life so that I won't forget. Would you make today a day where you will start making those changes? And if we can help you do that in any way, won't you let us know? You can come now while we stand and while we sing.